0: download the viator app now and use code viator10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
1: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of filato on football here on the big blue view radio network i am the host nick filato and today we're going to discuss the mock draft that I constructed, a top 36 mock draft, ending with the Giants early second round pick. It just hit Big Blue View, so head on over there and check it out. I want to go through some of these picks. And this isn't necessarily a mock draft that I would do. I'm not the general manager in this situation, but I wanted to go through picks that made sense, and I also wanted to do it from a tough scenario. I think it would have been easy for me to allow Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu to fall to pick five, but I kind of want to make this a little bit more challenging and go off the beaten path of the chalk mock drafts we see everywhere, yet still maintaining the fact that this could realistically happen. This mock draft also does not have trades. I expect trades to happen despite the fact that this is not a overly saturated quarterback class still think there's going to be movement the giants could be one of those teams who are looking to move back to acquire more selections but we're going to go and do this in sequential order starting with the jacksonville jaguars whose main focus has to be protecting trevor lawrence they selected him first overall last year it was essentially a punt year with urban meyer as an experimental head coach didn't even last the length of the season now Jacksonville goes and hires Doug Peterson comes out of retirement after a year off not really a retirement more of a unceremonious firing in Philadelphia sadly we all remember the Nate Sudfeld experiment the last time Doug Peterson coached a football game but that's neither here nor there they go with Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama. Evan Neal is incredibly long. He's a mountain of a man. He has the length. He has really good foot speed for a player of his size. You have to protect Trevor Lawrence, hiring Doug Peterson also further suggests that they're going to want to go offense. Their defense was respectable at Jace last year. They weren't that great as a run defense, but they did do well in certain big games. We all remember the Buffalo upset. We all remember the last game of the season when they defeated the Colts, preventing them from going to the playoffs. So getting a tackle to possibly replace former Crimson Tide offensive tackle Cam Robinson, who is entering a contract year, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if they want to retain Cam Robinson, Upgrading Neal over Juwan Taylor is conducive to success as well. So Evan Neal goes to Jacksonville. The Detroit Lions are happy because they are able to keep Aiden Hutchinson in Michigan. And they select him. I mean, Hutchinson... He hurt his leg in 2020, decided to go back to school, and he had an elite pass rushing season in 2021. This is a no-brainer selection, in my opinion, for Dan Campbell. Moving on to the Houston Texans. Here, they select Edge Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. And honestly, there's a lot of talk about Thibodeau sliding. When it's all said and done, I can still see him going in the top five because he is a rare talent. Now, he may not be as technically refined as someone like Hutchinson, but his size, length, power, ability to rush the passer, all of those things are something that the Houston Texans need. And honestly, if you think about the Texans, they can go in any direction here. They can go cornerback. They're also a trade-down candidate. They can go with Kyle Hamilton. They can really use upgrades all over their roster and i think just adding thibodeau one of the better prospects in the draft will help them in the long run help lovey smith and help that defense hopefully be able to get after some of the quarterbacks around the league number four the Jets go with North Carolina State tackle Aikimi Kwanu, somebody was commonly mocked to the New York Giants. The thought process here is Zach Wilson was sacked 44 times last season. That was the third most in the NFL. Some of that is a product of Wilson's indecisiveness and his propensity to hold onto the football a little bit too long. But you need to protect this guy too, man. Makai Becton, this guy has played 739 snaps through two seasons and yes he's a prototypical left tackle when he is healthy but he's not healthy all that often and besides him Morgan Moses I believe is going to be a free agent and then you have Chuma Odoga as the only other tackle and Chuma Odoga he's he's serviceable but he's better if he's a swing type of tackle and you may need that swing tackle if Beckton continues to get injured so why not upgrade that offensive line and add a road grading blocker who is just an absolute dominating force in that phase of the game while also not being a liability as a pass blocker I think Iquano is a solid option for the New York Jets to look into to help Zach Wilson you have to maximize this kid you spent the second overall pick on him last year Joe Douglas you have to protect him and finding another tackle to pair with Makai Beckton is a smart way to do that and that gets us to the New York Giants pick and now this is not something I've seen mocked at all. I haven't done extensive film on Iquanu, Neal, or Cross. I've seen them. I watch a lot of college football, but I haven't dove into their tape. That's going to be coming, and that is going to be on the Big Blue View YouTube page, the breakdown of all these guys. I went with Charles Cross. Now, he's the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Now, this is someone who's 6'5", 310 pounds. He is a rare type of athlete. He's the type of athlete that should blow the combine up really really quick feet to mirror he has great fluidity in his lower half he's very very long now there are some concerns now Charles Cross he's meant to be a tackle in modern NFL where there's a lot of passing which is awesome because Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka both come from two prolific passing offenses and it seems like they would want to pass the football on the New York Giants and I think Cross fits in really well to that but this is somebody who played in an air raid system with Mike Leach And the air raid system, they don't run the football all that much. Now, when you watch him on tape, he has pop-on contact as a run blocker from the things that I have seen. I don't see him being a dominating force as a run blocker. So I think those are going to be questions about Cross, and I can understand why there is some consternation behind this pick. Another thing that would have to be sussed out at the combine before the New York Giants selected him is can he play right tackle? Now, Andrew Thomas can, but do you want to move your best player from the left side to the right side? I really don't want to do that. So that needs to be found out because there isn't tape of Charles Cross playing on the right side. So that is another big point of contention with this pick that I completely understand. Now, the upsides, I kind of brought them up. It's athleticism. It's his ability to protect the passer. It's his effortless Moving His ability to anchor down. I mean, this is somebody, again, 6'5", 310 pounds. He can handle speed. He can handle power. He can handle counter moves. He's very good at picking up stuns, something the Giants were absolutely terrible at. He's also only 20 years old high upside type of player right here. Is it risky? Yes. And I think my seventh pick is also very risky, but this is kind of a home run type of swing here and also at pick seven, which we'll go over here in a little bit. I understand why some people are a little reserved with the selection of a player like Charles Cross. And I would also add that this is definitely not a BPA type of situation. I like what I've seen from Cross. I'll have a more extensive evaluation on him soon. But Kyle Hamilton would be the BPA in this situation, and he is still on the board. And he doesn't go at 6, and he doesn't go at 7 to the Giants. But let's transition to Malik Willis, who goes 6 to the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold did not work out. I mean, the Panthers got to eat a lot of crow after trading a lot of assets to get Sam Darnold. A second-round pick was involved in that, some later picks. I mean, that is tough to swallow, and I don't know if... Matt Rule is going to be here in 2023 for the Carolina Panthers. He may not even last through 2022, but I think David Tepper wants to more than likely take another kick at the quarterback can and get somebody with immense upside like Malik Willis, who can sit behind Sam Darnold this season, become a more polished player before he hits the field. And then there's the Giants at seven. I went with Derek Stingley Jr. here. He's the cornerback from LSU. And Kyle Hamilton was very tempting, would not knock the Giants selecting Kyle Hamilton and I think Kyle Hamilton fits with what Wink Martindale wants to do and he could realistically be in consideration which gives some Giant fans hesitation because he's a safety but he is wildly versatile and with the amount of unique things Martindale does on the back end of his coverages along with what he does on the line of scrimmage Hamilton is very very enticing but as for Stingley Jr this is somebody in 2019 he was a true freshman on the national championship winning season he was Insanely effective right off the jump. Excellent man coverage skills, fluid as heck. Six foot one, 200 pounds, has all the length. He can press up at the line of scrimmage. He's disciplined at the line of scrimmage. He had six interceptions and 15 PBUs that year. But sadly, 2019 was kind of a long time ago. 2020 rolled around. He kind of had an up and down season. He wasn't as dominant as he was, he didn't have as many plays on the ball his ball skills weren't as good and then this past year he ended up hurting his foot and he had foot surgery that's another thing that must obviously go through doctors the medicals all that stuff but in order to effectively run the wink martindale system the kind of system that he ran in baltimore you need physical man coverage cornerbacks who can press who are fluid and who can hang with receivers past two and a half seconds and stingley jr showed that in 2019 and i don't think those skills just evaporated because this guy's going to test out of the roof at the combine he is an insanely good athlete and if you look at the giants roster right now you have a dory jackson and aaron robinson as two guys who can i would say effectively play man coverage james bradbury can as well but i think he's going to end up being a cap casualty and this selection is kind of contingent on the fact that bradbury more than likely won't be there obviously there's still some things to play out there i think retaining jerome henderson Having Wink Martindale in that system that is predicated on man coverage, I think if you get Stingley Jr. at seven, Henderson can work wonders with this kid. As long as he's healthy and he's coachable, those are things I can't weigh in on. But what I do know is this guy has insane upside. He fits perfectly with what Martindale wants to do. So as long as those aspects of his game, the injuries, how how he takes the coaching, I don't know any of those things, as long as those things check out, I see Stingley Jr. here at 7, and I think it makes sense. I really do. So does Kyle Hamilton. So that's another thing you kind of have to go over here. Now, Passing on Kyle Hamilton, that is a true blue-chip guy. I think Derek Stingley Jr. could be a blue-chip type of player, but we just haven't seen it mainly because of injury and a little bit of inconsistent play in a... COVID-shortened 2020 season that was just somewhat odd, I guess you could say. Now there are some excuses there and I'll acknowledge that, but this is another upside swing right here for Derek Stingley Jr. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants look to go in this direction if all of those things check
0: out with him. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
1: But that leaves the Atlanta Falcons incredibly happy to select Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Safety, do-it-all type of player. Dean Pease is going to be thrilled to get this type of guy here at 8 because he's arguably the best player in the entire draft. But he plays a position that is thought of as not being in high demand but you could do so many things with this guy on the back, and he can cover. He can be an apex overhang type of defender. You can blitz him. He has single high range. He can cover sideline to sideline and cover one middle-of-the-field close type of schemes. You pair him with A.J. Terrell, who is a lockdown cornerback one. You have Richie Grant, who could be more of your box safety or robber type of safety. He was somebody they drafted in the second year at a UCF last year, and you're looking at a secondary that can be revitalized because the secondary last year was a sieve, man. They were passing on the Atlanta Falcons all the time. All they did was throw away from A.J. Terrell. And now you have Kyle Hamilton, add him into the mix. You can lock up one-on-one Meg with A.J. Terrell and then have Kyle Hamilton play over the top of the second cornerback and trail. I just think it's a, a very good system fit for Dean Pease and an excellent place to land him here this late in the draft, even though we're still in the top 10. Denver Broncos, they go with Jermaine Johnson here out of Florida State. Jermaine Johnson is a steady riser, had an excellent senior bowl. There's a new... Head coach in town there with Nathaniel Hackett. He's an offensive guy. They bring in Ijiro Ivero to be their defensive coordinator. And they ship Devon Miller out. They need another pass rusher to go along with Bradley Chubb. And I think Jermaine Johnson can be that individual. Ivero comes from the Rams, so. I'm imagining he's going to implement some sort of odd front, so that's going to be the nose tackle, you know, two five techniques, four eyes, depending on how they want to really align their base defense, then you're going to have those two outside linebackers, and Chubb, one of them, Jermaine Johnson is another, Jermaine Johnson is athletic enough to drop into space, but that might not be the best way he is utilized, and I think he can kind of come in here with Bradley Chubb and Just go and attack Justin Herbert twice a year, attack Patrick Mahomes twice a year, attack Derek Carr twice a year. Because if you go here with a Kenny Pickett, with Malik Willis off the board, is he really going to have enough upside to truly defeat the Herberts and the Mahomes of the world in your division? Or do you want to kind of continue to build your strength and make your strength stronger with the Denver Broncos and I think that makes more sense especially because Jermaine Johnson to me is just a better overall prospect than Kenny Pickett is right here. So build on your defense and that's going to be, you know, odd cuz you're going to have to figure out the quarterback position eventually and I don't know if you want to just, you know, wait till next year where there's a lot more quarterback and options, but I think going with a a better prospect at 9 is better than just kind of forcing a quarterback in this position in that division so that's where we went here Jermaine Johnson and then to round out the top 10 I went with cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson Bryce Hall had a great season for the Jets last year but their secondary is really really thin Robert Sala plays a lot of zone type of principles Andrew Booth he could play zone he could play man I thought about going Sauce Gardner here because Sauce Gardner is another very talented cornerback who's moving up boards. More fit for zone than man, but I think he can do both adequately, or bub adequately, I should say. But I think bookending this draft or this top 10, I should say, with Andrew Booth Jr. and Hakimi Kwano is a good start for Joe Douglas and the Jets. Moving on to the Washington Commanders, I went with quarterback Matt Corral here. And Matt Corral seems like he's just a similar type of quarterback to Taylor Heineke, only better and a little bit more refined. He's a dual threat type of quarterback 6'1", 205 pounds so he kind of fits that prototype of Taylor Heineke. I'm sure if they could get a bigger type of individual they would like that but Corral probably has the second most upside behind a Malik Willis. It seems like Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders are going to be in the quarterback market. They may not run it back with Taylor Heineke and I think Matt Corral at 11 does make sense. 12 the Minnesota Vikings they land Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Both Patrick Pearson and Mackenzie Alexander are headed to free agency and there were a lot of players I wanted to mock at this spot. But I ended up going with Gardner. He had nine picks, seventeen passes defended through three seasons at Cincinnati. A talented young quarterback to pair with Cameron Dansler, who they selected in 2020 in the third round, it was kind of coming into his own out there. The both very long physical type of cornerback so I like this addition for the Minnesota Vikings at 13 Cleveland Browns go with Traylon Burks the first wide receiver off the board out of Arkansas I really thought long and hard about putting Ohio State wide receivers Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson here kind of keep the Ohio kids in Ohio but I think Traylon Burks makes a lot of sense now he's not the most natural separator but he's not a purely contested catch type of receiver either he has some deception to his routes incredibly large catch radius big body type of playmaking receiver to pair with Jarvis Landry Anthony Schwartz they have Donovan Peoples-Jones who can kind of take the top off the defense and now you add someone who's 6 foot 3 230 pounds in the short-term immediate He's going to help baker mayfield a lot because baker mayfield sometimes tends to overthrow and he's not overly accurate with some of his passes outside the numbers and burks has that catch radius to pluck those balls out of the air away from his frame But that's not the only reason you're making this pick. You don't want to make your pick solely for Baker Mayfield, a quarterback you're probably not certain on at the moment. But Berks is going to help out whoever the next quarterback for the Cleveland Browns happens to be. And he has the type of skill set, the type of physicality, the red zone and third down presence to be a really, really good wide receiver up there in the NFC North. So I kind of like this fit as well. Baltimore Ravens go with David Ajabo. He reunites with Mike McDonald, who was the defensive coordinator for Michigan last year. Under McDonald, Jabo had 42 pressures, he had 11 sacks, he's bendy, he's very, very explosive, gets to the outside shoulder, can bend through contact. He's the type of edge rusher a lot of modern NFL teams are looking for, but he's not refined and doesn't have a lot of sand in his ass as a run defender right now. And those are things that could come in time because Ajabo is still a young player. But I think pairing Ajabo with Owa, that is an explosive duo for Mike McDonald, the new defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Philadelphia Eagles go with edge George Carl Loftus out of Purdue at 15, and then Tyler Lindenbaum at 16, the Iowa center. Now Carl Loftus, he's going to slide in there. He is a power type of rusher who's a little bit stocky, not the longest type of Individual, but he has violent hands and insane motor. And I think he'd be a solid replacement for Brandon Graham, who is getting long in the tooth. You also have Derek Barnett, who's a different type of player, a more bendy type of player, somebody who wins with speed around the edge. He's a free agent. I'm not 100% certain if he's going to be back. So, who is going to play opposite of Josh Sweat next year and for the foreseeable future? I think George this fits that very well well he can kick inside and be a three technique in passing situations or he can play four eye five technique in even fronts he can even line wide he's not the bendy type of pass rusher like a david ajabo or a jermaine johnson or a boa mafe but he is somebody who wins with pop in his hands leverage power and the ability to get to his second pass rush move and utilize counters hand technique is really good that's one of the ways he wins i think the philadelphia fans would love him and then linderbaum would be the eventual replacement for jason kelsey which could be coming this year because he is a free agent they both have similarities they're both very very athletic they're both very technically sound with their hands and how to manipulate defenders and how to get underneath their pads and utilize excellent leverage to win at the point of attack despite the fact that they're less than 300 pounds the Linderbaum might come out to be like 290, 295. It's pretty small. It's going to turn some teams off. But remember how Philadelphia utilizes their offense, their offensive system. It was built on zone read, built on zone stretch runs. They have a lot of trap type of plays. They utilize a lot of quick screens, a lot of quick hitters, where they can get their interior offensive linemen up to the second level to locate linebackers and safeties. And Linderbaum fits perfectly into that. Now, he may struggle with power. We saw that in college as well. You know, big guys like Dexter Lawrence may give him fits, to be honest, which would be fun to watch as somebody who covers the New York Giants. But all in all, this is an athletic, young center who could be their next Jason Kelsey. And I don't think they're going to pass up that opportunity. At 17, I'm not sure if the Chargers would go this way, because the Chargers can use a zone corner, and there's still zone corners left on the board. They can use run defenders. I've seen Jordan Davis mocked here, despite the fact that he might not have the pass rushing upside. But at 17, I went with interior offensive line Kenyon Green, out of Texas A&M. And the reason I did this was because the right side of the Chargers line was bad. And Kenyon Green is very, very versatile. He's played all over the offensive line. He can play tackle, but he's probably best suited to be a guard. And you have... Michael Schofield III, who was the right guard last year, he's a free agent. You probably want to upgrade a right tackle over Storm Norton because it it was like night and day, the left side of the line with Rashawn Slater and Filer, and then the right side of the line with Schofield and Storm Norton. But adding Kenyon Green to be the right guard will only help Storm Norton if Storm Norton is the right tackle moving forward into next year. And I just think the versatility combined with the overall strength he can generate through his frame at the point of attack, the power powerful hands, the grip strength, the control that he commands at the line of scrimmage, along with the flexibility, are all excellent traits that Green has. So he goes to the Chargers to help fortify an offensive line to assist Justin Herbert to continue to dominate all over the AFC West, even though they didn't make the playoffs, which is just ridiculous to think about. But kudos to the Raiders. Let's go over to 18, which is the New Orleans Saints. They selected Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. So Dennis Allen, who was the defensive coordinator, is now the head coach. They go defense a lot, but some of those defensive assets are getting a little older. But here I had to find the Saints offense a playmaker. They just need a playmaker opposite of Alvin Kamara because they don't have any. Mark Wes Callaway is like their biggest playmaker on offense, and no knock on him, but that can't beat your number one wide receiver if Michael Thomas doesn't return. And that's a whole nother conversation i'm not really certain what's going on with michael thomas but even if thomas returns you need to find a playmaker and garrett wilson fits that he's a technically sound route runner who can win at all three levels of the field yeah he drops the football a little bit too much for my liking but get him the football in space and he's going to make people miss he's going to create separation and he's just another piece to an offense that struggled last year even when they had a healthy Jameis winston at 19 the eagle's go with Jameson Williams start to have a little bit of a wide receiver run. He is the Alabama wide receiver who tore his ACL in the National Championship game. I get it. This is the third year in a row that the Philadelphia Eagles will be spending a first round pick on the wide receiver position, but if you hit 2 of 3, that's a win, right? And I know that you might not get immediate returns from Williams depends on how far along in his recovery he happens to be and it seems like as Dr. James Andrews recently said, He is pretty far along. He's ahead of schedule in his recovery. I'm not sure if he'll be available for week one right now or or what's going on with that. So that will all have to be answered. But pairing him with his former Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver, Devonta Smith, along with Jalen Hurts, who was also at Alabama for a little bit, I think you have two immediate weapons for Hurts and Williams is somebody who can fly man he can fly down the field he's just a dynamic weapon Devonta Smith he's not known for taking the top off of defenses but he's another technically sound route runner who can win outside the numbers can win over the middle of the field Williams is a little bit more of a burner I think this makes a lot of sense and then there's Jalen Rager just a colossal disappointment an absolute bust at this point even though it's only been two seasons it's beyond Nelson Aguilar level of bust for the Philadelphia Eagles now at least that's what it seems like with Jalen Rager although there is still some time left on his contract but adding a playmaker to help Jalen Hurts as his second full year as starter makes sense at pick 20 the Pittsburgh Steelers go with Kenny Pickett kid from Pitt keep him home in Pittsburgh that's not the reason why you go this direction but you have Mason Rudolph who's set to start next season now that Ben Roethlisberger retired. There is no Matt Corral. There is no Malik Willis. You can argue, hey, maybe Sam Howe. Okay, you can definitely make that argument. Kenny Pickett is thought of by many as the number one quarterback in this class. I haven't extensively watched this film. I saw him down at the senior bowl. I didn't think he was all that bad. He can operate within structure, but if he breaks contain, he can also throw while on the run. He has a little bit more mobility than I anticipate, a little bit more velocity on the football, but it's nothing like Carson Strong or Malik Willis. I thought his accuracy was pretty good as well. He didn't blow anybody out of the water down there in Mobile, but he didn't necessarily hurt himself other than on day two when it rained and he had his worst practice and he never got his hands measured at the Senior Bowl, which was a big point of contention for a lot of people because it's thought that he has really small hands, but doesn't mesh too well up there in Pittsburgh. But that was the selection at 20. 21, the New England Patriots go with Trevon Walker out of Georgia. He is a defensive line edge type of player. This guy's five, 275 pounds, insane athletic ability, unique length. I just feel like he's going to be kind of a chess piece where Bill Belichick can use him to create defensive matchups he has that raw athletic ability can rush the passer in a variety of different ways i think if he learns how to string moves together the upside is immense here he's not known or talked about as the best Georgia defender but he might be the best one once he gets into the NFL I think this is a high upside swing to pair with somebody like Josh Uche who they selected a couple years ago a six foot five 275 pound guy man you can do a lot of different things in an odd front and you can also do a lot of different things in a multiple type of front both concepts that the Patriots like to implement so that's where I went at 21 22 i would go with zone type of cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington Patrick Ram ran a lot of zone with the New York Giants Casey Hayward and Desmond Truffaut are both free agents so they go with the 5 foot 11 195 pound cornerback who has excellent instincts does a great job of reading and reacting to everything in front of him and he's also somebody who can play man coverage he's a smooth athlete great reactionary quickness all the things you want in a cornerback clicks and close downhill very very quickly on routes underneath him Doesn't get beat over the top all that often. He only allowed a 44.4% catch rate last season, so this makes sense for the Raiders. Arizona Cardinals go with Chris Alave at 23, wide receiver from Ohio State. I have no idea what's going on with Kyler Murray. I'm out here in the desert. They talk about it all the time on the radio. It seems like, I would imagine he would be back to be the quarterback, but a lot of finger pointing going on between the organization and Kyler Murray but I look at this situation AJ Green and Christian Kirk are free agents could they be retained yes if they are retained do I think they'll go Chris Olave? more than likely not but if they do not get retained you need to find somebody else behind DeAndre Hopkins who was hurt at the end of last season all you have is Rondell Moore and this team runs the most 10 personnel which is four wide receivers more than anybody else because they Operate in an air raid type of offense with a lot of spread type of concepts, where they can put a running back on the field. They'll take their tight end off. You have four fast wide receivers, and you challenge the depth of cornerback of the defense that you're facing. Alave can really do that if you pair him with Rondell Moore, another incredibly explosive type of wide receiver. Alave can take the top off. Defense is similar to Garrett Wilson. He's a technically sound route runner who just absolutely makes a lot of cornerbacks look silly so i like the addition of chris Olave to the arizona cardinals just because the way the draft fell if some of these other individuals were available like even a trent mcduffie or a kenyon green then i might go in that direction over someone like chris Olave. but they're not available in this mock so i'm gonna go with chris Olave at 23 24 the dallas cowboys add to their linebacking group and select Nicobe dean out of georgia now you have Micah Parsons and Nicobe Dean. Good luck predicting what either of these two individuals are going to do because they can execute so many different assignments for Dan Quinn. We saw Micah Parsons align at edge. We saw him drop into coverage. We saw him blitz the A-gap. We saw him be a sound run defender. Dallas didn't pick up that fifth-year option of Leighton Vander Esch. It left a hole at linebacker for Quinn. We know that being a smaller linebacker didn't deter... The Cowboys from selecting Sean Lee back in the day. And I honestly think Nicobe Dean would be an excellent pairing with Micah Parsons. It would be very annoying to watch that defense against the Giants offense because they can be so deceptive pre to post snap on the intentions of either of those linebackers. Either of them can come, either of them can drop, both of them can do that very well, and it would be very annoying. But it would be a great fit for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Buffalo Bills, they go linebacker as well. They go with Linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah at 25. Beyond this season, Matt Milano is the only linebacker on the roster. Now, they could easily sign A.J. Klein, re-sign Tremaine Edmonds, but that's yet to be seen. So I can see them addressing the linebacker position. They address the heck. Out of the defensive line and edge position over the last several classes in order to prepare for the departures of Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and Harrison Phillips. Now they have A.J. Epinesa, Gregory Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Carlos Boogie Basham. All of these guys, right? So they could potentially do the same, Brandon Bean, with their linebackers if they don't feel like they want to allocate the money to somebody like. Tremaine Edmonds you bring in Devin Lloyd he's another long big rangy linebacker who can cover he's I don't have him ranked as high as a lot of other outlets that I see. I see him ranked in the top 10. At some places, I'm not that high on Devin Lloyd, but I do believe there is talent there and there is room for the athletic types of linebackers in modern NFL, these three down type of linebackers. I think Lloyd can become a three down linebacker. I don't think he has to be thrust into a position that he's uncomfortable with with the Buffalo Bills because they have Tremaine Edmonds under contract this year. So it makes sense from that standpoint. I really thought about going with Florida's Kair Elam here as well, because the Bills need some cornerback help. They definitely need some cornerback help. And Elam is one of those more underrated cornerbacks, I would say, right now, because he is pretty good in man coverage. He's pretty instinctive. I didn't have him going in this mock draft, but he could be a steal in the second round post-36. Tennessee Titans go with Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa Offensive Tackle. This is the guy down at the Senior Bowl who was tossing his teammates around and being really, really physical and really, really mean and got into the fight with like three different Edge rushers down there. Now that that's so attractive to so many offensive line coaches and head coaches. They love that competitive toughness. I like Penning. He's six foot seven, gigantic individual. David Quisenberry, the right tackle last year as a free agent. Isaiah Wilson obviously didn't work out for the Tennessee Titans. I initially didn't think Penning would be a first-round pick, but looking at the needs of the offensive line around the league his size, and his athletic ability, I think he probably will be. I think he can definitely get better with his hand usage, his placement, his timing, how to adjust. I think all that is a little bit technically uneven. It's not overly consistent. But when you're that big and that athletic, people are going to draft you and they're going to coach you up. And I think all of those things can be coached up. It's just something that I saw at the Senior Bowl, saw a little bit on the tape that I did see from Northern Iowa, even though it's kind of hard to get Northern Iowa tape as – a lot of people who cover the Giants realized last year when they selected Ellerson Smith. 27, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Zion Johnson at a Boston College interior offensive lineman wanted to let him slide to 36, but this makes a lot of sense. Alex Kappa and Ryan Jensen, the guard and center respectively of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are free agents this year. I don't know if they're going to be brought back, but Zion Johnson can fill either hole. He can play center. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. He was working a lot at it, taking snaps before practice, drawing the eyes of every coaching staff in the NFL. And he could play guard. He did that at Boston College. He also played right tackle at Boston College, although it wasn't all that great when he was playing out there. But I think this is just a great addition to an offensive line that has been a strength of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, when you have Tom Brady, it makes it easier. But still, Tristan Wirfs has been killing it out there. Donovan Smith is a veteran tackle who's played really, really well. Alex Kappa, Ali Marpet are two very solid guards. I would say Marpet is, you know, an excellent guard, whereas Kappa is a solid to good guard. And then Ryan Jensen is a dominating factor in the center of the offensive line. They're probably going to have to replace him because he's getting long in the tooth. So that's going to be Zion Johnson. Green Bay Packers go with wide receiver Drake London at a USC. Finally, Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back, that is, gets a first-round wide receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantlin and Devontae Adams are both free agents this year. Imagining Devontae Adams will be retained if Aaron Rodgers stays around Green Bay, whether that be through a contract or a franchise tag. We'll have to see what exactly happens. There's still a lot to play out. But as for Drake London, this is a gigantic wide receiver. Excellent catch radius. You throw the football up to him. Aaron Rodgers' pinpoint accuracy in one-on-one matchups because the defense has to guard Devontae Adams and bracket him, that's something that could really work, especially down in the red zone. And he's not a stiff either. He has some flexibility for a bigger wide receiver. I wouldn't say it's as flexible as someone like Christian Watson at a North Dakota State, but he's still someone that I feel like should be an automatic upgrade to that position for the Green Bay Packers that's going to take a lot of stress off of Aaron Rodgers and even Devontae Adams. I remember back in 2020, I thought they should draft another big bodied contestant catch wide receiver out of USC and Michael Pittman Jr., but they opted to trade up and draft Jordan Love. Doesn't seem like that really worked out. There's still time, I guess, if we're looking at this glass half full. The Dolphins piss off the Cincinnati Bengals and select offensive tackle Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan at pick 29. The Dolphins have addressed the offensive line high in the draft the past two seasons, but they had to kick Austin Jackson, the first round pick in 2020, in at left guard because he couldn't hack it at left tackle. And last year, Liam Eikenberg was one of the worst left tackles in the league. He was the second round pick, struggled mightily, but now you land Bernard Raymond. And this is somebody who is relatively new to playing offensive line. He was a tight end, a wide receiver, an exchange student from Austria who packed on weight and packed on weight and got transitioned over to being an offensive lineman. He maintains a pretty high level of athletic ability while also enhancing his power. And I feel like there's still room to grow with someone like Raymond. I'm eager to dive into his tape. Everything I've seen of him and heard about him, I do like. So that is somebody that I feel like the Miami Dolphins will look to address to help protect Tua Tagovailoa and enhance this offensive running game by going with someone like Bernard Raymond. And then the Kansas City Chiefs at 30 go with Daxton Hill out of Michigan. This is a very versatile safety. That Steve Spagnola is going to love because he can drop down, play nickel, overhang. He can play single high. He is a phenomenal athlete who's probably going to perform very, very well at the Combine. And it addresses a position of need because Armani Watts, Daniel Sorensen, and then the most important one, Tyron Matthew, are all free agents. I don't know if Matthew is going to be back, but even if he is, Hill could be a replacement for him and he could do so many different things. I look at the Chiefs right now. I look at what they did with their offensive line last year. They had to do it. They had to upgrade their offensive line. They trade for Orlando Brown from the Ravens. They select Creed Humphrey. They select Trey Smith. And then they also signed Joe Tooney. And it really revamped that offensive line. Now I don't believe they're going to pour that many assets into their secondary but they have to look at upgrading that secondary because they have some young interesting cornerbacks some that are going to be free agents and then their safety group is going to be missing a lot of players. Now they still have Juan Thornhill who is a solid NFL player but pairing him with a Daxton Hill a versatile type of weapon who could do so many different things is a smart way to enhance the excellent defensive mind of Steve Spagnuolo. Moving on to 31, Cincinnati Bengals. And I do not like this pick, and I think this is a desperation pick, which I can see the Bengals making because they need offensive line. But since all these offensive linemen went off the board, I go with offensive tackle Nicholas Petet-Free from Ohio State. Now, like I said, this is a reach. Some people value him in the top 25. I've seen others value him in the top 80. I've watched his film I wasn't overly impressed. I can see a second round type of selection. I think he struggles with power against, uh, like you watch the Michigan tape, you watch the Penn State tape. He allows some of those really good edge rushers to get into his frame and and overpower him. And And I didn't love to see that. However, he has athletic ability. He has the frame. He showed on tape that he can anchor down. It's just sometimes that pad level rises a little bit. How he fits his hands in terms of timing It's a a little bit inconsistent. I feel like his past sets weren't always consistent either. But if those can get cleaned up, which I feel like a lot of that stuff can get cleaned up because I have seen him execute with power in the past. It just needs to be more consistent. And if that is consistent, I feel like he could be worthy of a pick around this area, although I still maintain that it's a bit of a stretch. But they do need an upgrade. They need an upgrade at right tackle over Isaiah Prince to pair with Jonah Williams. They're only really solid offensive lineman and I think he can be that so I have him going 31 the Ohio State tackle Nicholas patet Freer and then that brings us to 32 the last pick in the first round I have the Detroit Lions going with Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State he's another versatile type of safety I think Daxon Hill's a better athlete I think Dax Hill can do more just a more versatile type of player I and mean, I think Brisker is a little bit reckless when he's coming downhill from depth to make tackles He's susceptible in that area but he's still a, a safety with a lot of range i don't want to poo-poo him i shouldn't just compare him to dax hill i think brisker's a really good athlete in his own right and if you look at the detroit lions aaron glenn's secondary more than likely needs an upgrade if tracy walker enters free agency and leaves which it looks like he may do however getting jeffrey okuda back getting armani or back that's going to really help the secondary of the Detroit Lions you add Aiden Hutchinson into this equation because you selected him earlier in this draft that defense kind of starts to come into form but you need a safety who can wear different hats which I believe Brisker can do now like I said he's not as versatile as Dax Hill but he still can do several different things for the defense on the back end and I think this pick makes sense for the Detroit Lions at around this point of the draft that brings us to pick 33 the Jacksonville Jags go with Jordan Davis first pick in the second round now Jordan Davis is a six foot six 340 pound man. He's not as athletic as Vita Vea. He's athletic for a man of that size. I wouldn't even say he's as athletic as Dexter Lawrence, who is around that size, a little bit shorter. But man, Davis is immovable in the run game, man. And if Mike Caldwell, the new defensive coordinator who comes over from the Buccaneers, was a linebacker coach over there, if he maintains odd fronts, which means he's going to play nose tackle a lot, going to rely on Jordan Davis to play, you know, a gap and a half, two gaps at times then getting Jordan Davis is the perfect fit to help sure up that run defense and he can slide in there down in Jacksonville you know short drive from Georgia to Jacksonville Florida I think that could be very good for a team that struggles in a division with two football teams that want to pound the rock and run the football in the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans with Jonathan Taylor, and Derrick Henry. You add Jordan Davis to that equation, the Jacksonville Jags aren't a sieve in terms of their run defense anymore. 34, the Detroit Lions go with David Bell. He is the Purdue wide receiver, another very good route runner. Not necessarily a burner, but somebody who is six foot two, is very good in and out of his breaks, sinking his hips on those comeback routes, on those digs, makes really Nice 90-degree cuts. Has soft hands. Gets plucks the ball away from his frame. Has the ability to make acrobatic type of catches. I look at the Lions wide receiver core. I think they could have went with Jahan Dotson here, who actually ends up going with the next pick. But they have Amon Ross St. Brown, who had an absolutely studly first year for the Lions. Then you have Quintez Cephas, who should be coming back from an injury that he suffered that left him out of the back end of last season. You add David Bell into the equation, you have some more receiving weapons. Hopefully it will enhance the offense. And the Lions, much like the two teams we just talked about, the Titans and the Colts, want to run the football with DeAndre Swift. I think if you add someone like Bell, it's going to help the play action game, going to help the overall offense. So that's where I went in that direction at 34 at 35 the Jets go with Jahan Dotson out of Penn State this is somebody who's very very shifty I think he can be a Z in Mike LaFleur's offense with Corey Davis kind of being the X and then Elijah Moore operating out of the slot Dotson, a lot of people think he's a slot receiver because he's 5'11", 190 pounds, but he aligned mostly out wide when at Penn State, and he's just excellent at creating separation, does an excellent job releasing off the line of scrimmage. He disguises his intention so well up his stem and really, really keeps cornerbacks in guessing, which also furthers his ability to create separation, which goes along really well with his athletic abilities, overall movement skills. I think adding this type of player to... What Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur want to do offensively, it makes sense. They look for particular types of wide receivers. This is not an exact replica of Elijah Moore, but you turn on Elijah Moore's college tape, you say, that guy has it. You turn on Jahan Dotson's tape, you say, that guy has it. Those are types of players you want to surround your rookie quarterback Zach Wilson with. And I think they can do that here at 35, and that is a win for the Jets getting Ikea Aquanu, Andrew Booth, and then Jahan Dotson. And then that brings us to the New York Giants, and I'm not going to lie to you, ladies and gentlemen, I went back and forth with this pick. I thought about so many different players, so many different positions, and ultimately I ended up going with Boya Mafé out of Minnesota. Now this is somebody, he wasn't uber productive in college. Last season he had 34 tackles, 7 sacks, 10 tackles for a loss, 42 pressures, which you like to see, but Mafé, He was great at the Senior Bowl, and then you turn on his tape, and you're like, wow, all that athletic ability and that ability to win around the edge, that all checked out because he really did it a lot at the Senior Bowl in the one-on-ones, and that's kind of when I got turned on to someone like Boye Mafe. You go back, and I haven't done an extensive evaluation, but I watched some film on him, and not just highlights, but some film. He really does a good job bending the edge, getting through contact, and then using his hands at the top of the pass-rushing arc. And I look at what Don Wink Martindale wants in these outside linebackers and these second level defenders. He wants a lot of Sam type of linebackers, guys who can cover, drop into coverage, who can rush the passer. And that's something Mafei can do. But another thing a Sam has to be able to do is play the run. And Maffe struggled with that a little bit from what I saw in college. And I'm excited to dive deeper into his film once that film becomes readily available to me. But I did see that a little bit, just a little bit weak in terms of sand in his ass. But he's six foot three, two hundred fifty five pounds. That is a good frame. He has thirty three and three eighth inch arms. That's solid right there. He covered forty one times in college. Dropped into coverage in twenty twenty one, and I think that's really important, man. Because if you look how Don Wink Martindale used Tyus Bowser last year, Tyus Bowser is somebody who not a lot of people you know think about as being a really pivotal and important piece to a defense but he was man because he was in coverage so much and when you have a player who can drop into coverage who can play the run who can come on the blitz can pin his ears back and just rush up the edge can win with inside moves has counter moves knows how to use his hands Mafe has all of those things minus the run like i said even though it's not terrible he's not getting blown off the line but it's not a—I would say a strength of his right now then you can do so many different things. And when you have a defensive coordinator like Martindale who loves to mug the line of scrimmage, align seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage, and then use simulated blitzes or bring five but disguise it really well and create free rushers, Mafei is an excellent addition to that type of style that Martindale employs, specifically in terms of rushing the passer. And I think once the combine happens, people are going to be more turned on to who Boyamafe is because he's going to blow the combine out of the water. That's at least what I hear. And he also shows a lot of athletic traits on film. Now, I, I like this pick. I'm not in love with it, and there's a lot of different ways I think the Giants could go here. You could just get your best overall tight end, whether that be Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, Colorado State's Trey McBride, Jalen Weidemeyer from Texas A&M, or Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. You can add Darian Kennard, who was a right tackle for Kentucky. And he's like 346 pounds, and at the Senior Bowl, he played tackle pretty extensively. I think on day two, they started kicking him inside a little bit, but if you go that direction, you can move him inside, and now you have figured out your guard position. I really weighed that option as well. I think that would be a wise move. You can go linebacker. Go with Quay Walker from Georgia. Now a lot of people are talking about Quay Walker because he played on a loaded Georgia defense, but this is a six foot four, 240-pound linebacker who can cover, who has sideline to sideline speed. I mean, that's really appetizing. Now he's not overly progressed yet, I I would say, in terms of his ability to key and diagnose. But I don't really find him to be completely out of position a lot of the times either. So I think he's interesting. I think Damone Clark out of LSU. I haven't gotten his film yet, but from everything I've heard and I've seen, I've really liked what I have saw. Drake Jackson, Logan Hall, that is the edge from USC, the edge from Houston. Both of those guys I think could be options as well. But ultimately, I went with Maffe here. And I think the trio of Cross, Stingley Jr., and Maffe. it's not perfect. I think there are there are concerns that concern me as well. And I didn't just do this just to to create headlines or anything, but I could see scenarios where this could actually happen. Now cross, that that is a, a one that has to be sussed out in terms of can he play right tackle? So that has to be addressed at the combine. And they do all the footwork and pass setting and all that stuff down there at the combine. In terms of Stingley Jr., medicals have to pass. And with Maffe, I feel like it's solid value here, but there's a lot of solid value here. So which direction do you want to go? Are you going to prioritize edge? Do you want to prioritize a position like tight end? Because you have absolutely no one to play that position other than Caden Smith right now. There's a lot of different variables and so much that still has to happen with free agency and all the moves the Giants are going to make, who they're going to cut, who they're going to trade. All that's going to change a lot of this. But as of right now, Landing those three may not be ideal, but I can see a scenario where that can happen. Alrighty, everybody. Hey, please head on over to Big Blue View. Check out the mock draft. I have, you know, a couple paragraphs written on every single pick, but I go more expansive with the New York Giants picks. Please roast me in the comments if you feel necessary. These mock drafts, there's no way you're ever going to please everybody, and I, myself, I didn't select, I think the highest guys on my board, but some players that ended up making sense where they went. So I'm Nick Falato. This is Falato on football. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please be safe, be well, take care of yourselves, take care of one another and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.